We are in Revelation chapter 13. Beginning at verse 1, he says, um, Okay, actually, this is one of those chapters where we read the end of the chapter previous last time. So he says, I saw uh, a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and each head had a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. And the whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Some years might say marveled. Um, in verse 4, men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they had also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like this beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place in those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. He was given authority over every tribe, people, language, uh, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose name have not been written in the uh, book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone goes into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patience, uh, endurance, and the faithfulness of the saints. So we're going to go through this one. We'll see if we get to the, the second beast, but that's our that's our goal this morning is to get through chapter 13. So we want to look at this first beast. Do we have any reference points as to uh, to what this might be? Let's let's uh, look at some of the things. Do you recognize anything from previous chapters that might give us a clue to where to begin? Okay, the 42 months. Anything else? Have we seen any of these other pictures here? What else have we seen? What does it look like? We've seen seven heads and ten horns before. All right, we've got the 42 months. We've referenced the dragon before. All right, so this is all familiar. He's not talking about anything different. He's going to be talking about something else, but in a different way. Uh, and for extra credit, where have we seen a leopard, a bear, and a lion for before? Daniel. Daniel. Okay. If you go back to Daniel chapter 7, you will find almost the exact language throughout. Everything we talk about, you can reference back to that chapter. Um, what are the leopard, the bear, and the lion? Very simple. Okay, various empires. Who is the leopard? It's interesting that John gives them in reverse order of the ones that Daniel gave. He references them going backwards in time. The leopard had been that quick, um, the quick advance of Alexander the Great under Greece. The bear was that one that rose up on one side uh, of Medo-Persia. And the lion had been Babylon, so he goes back in time. And of course, so so we have this one as 
uh, as coming on the heels of that. So what we're clearly, uh, I think, referencing Rome, right? Something to do with Rome. Um, and uh, we have that 42 months, so we're looking at some sort of a spiritual persecutor. He goes through that even in this, in this passage. So we're going to, to look at a couple of other things. What is a reference to a mortal wound? Where have we seen a mortal wound before? Now, it wasn't pictured like that, but, but what does that make you sound, make it sound like? Okay, so, so we have a, a lamb. We have a picture of... Okay. Uh, so it looks like it's slain, but what happens? It's a, it has a mortal wound, but what happens to that mortal wound? It's healed. Okay, so how did Rome ever receive a mortal wound... What does that draw us to? Where, where does that draw our attention to? It's downfall. It's downfall. When was that? Which part? <laughs> yes, correct. That's correct. We're, we're talking about the West here. Um, 476 is the fall. But it doesn't stay that way, does it? It didn't stay that way for long. Um, it has this, uh, it, it's kind of healed. And I think we're talking about a, a reinvention of it. it it's, it's not going to be the same as it was. Rome didn't come back as an empire. Right? But it's going to be reinvented. Uh, it's going to have something uh, it's, that makes it look like this same beast, but it's, it's, it's healed. And these are the hierarchies of the Roman Empire political previous to and after the fall this is this is we talked about that 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 dragon taking that western empire and turning it into something different taking those bishops and turning it into something different and this is the hierarchy and it follows the exact same structure uh, the pope and the cardinals and the archbishops following like the, the emperors and the patricians and the senators and all that, all the way down, right? Uh, consuls, all those, it, it's exactly the same structure. They just borrowed the structure from Rome uh, and, and did the same, the same thing with it. Uh, we have another element, the war with the saints. Where have we seen that before? Roman Empire, persecution started. Okay, we have persecution of the uh, that that great uh, persecution, that uh, great tribulation, and uh, we have that dragon. And we talked about taking that third of stars, and he uh, he's going to attack the woman and the child. Remember that Those, these are all the same picture, aren't they? Uh, that, that we're not really uh, discovering anything. Uh, it's not a different aspect, but this is a, a, the same idea. We already read some of this. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. We talked about that. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like this beast, and who can fight against it? So the world has two reactions. What are the two reactions to this beast? 
What's that? Worship. Okay, worship, and what's the other one? Rejection. What's that? Rejection. Not rejection. I mean, not yet. Fear. Fear. Okay, so we have to marvel. Well, now, when we first see the word marvel, we think of it like, wow, that's marvelous, right? Well, that's kind of, but this is, some, some versions say astonished, but that's the kind of, I think, kind of uh, marveling that we talk about by context, because what is the, what's the statement that the world makes about it? Who can fight against it? In other words, this is not, an, this is not a positive type of marvel. This is not... You know, we went to the circus, and this was—it was—it was a marvel. You know, or, or something like amazing, in in a good way. This is a, a an astonishment. This is like a, a horror or a shock at this this great power, this great persecuting power. And as a result um, of its absolute authority, they worship it. So it's a forced worship. Obviously, the whole world, not every person. Um, who specifically uh, worships, he, he identifies who worships. Uh, remember, they're worshiping, they're not worshiping the, the beast, they're worshiping the dragon. You notice that? They're, they're not worshiping, the, the, the beast pulls worship to the dragon, to Satan. Well, that's kind of scary. Uh, so, so it's not a political power anymore, it's a, a religious political power that that this, this beast is. Uh, and he specifically identifies who the whole world is. It doesn't mean every human being. Right? He says specifically those who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the uh, book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So, uh, so it's specifically people who are not safe. So he's identifying this as what? What kind of worship then? It's false worship. He's saying the people who do this worship are not in the Lamb's book of life. That's pretty scary. To, to have a, a religious influence in the world that, that is that dominant. And God says, if you engage in that worship, you're not in the Lamb's book of life. That's pretty potent. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, he talks about the blasphemous names. Where are these blasphemous names written? On the heads, right? We're still going to get to the heads in seventh uh, in in, uh, in chapter seventeen, um, but he talks about the the blasphemous names. Um, what do you suppose this would be in connection to to what we're talking about? Who is blasphemy done against? God. Okay. So, so again, these are religious references. These are not political references. So we're not looking at Rome previous to 476. We're, we're looking at this after this wound is healed, after this transition to a religious power. I want to look at some names. 
Pope, which is Father. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a ton. If you want to go back through, we're going to look not a, a bunch, uh, but we're just going to look at a few. Call no man father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. He's not talking about your daddy. Right? You can call your dad father. He's talking in this section uh, of Matthew. He was talking about religious titles, rabbi, pastor, right? Pastor Greed. Uh, those. those. He's, don't do those. Don't don't like those. Don't do those. Right? Don't don't go by religious titles. Just be who you are. Do your job. <laughs> uh, a lot of people like those. Uh, like those titles. There's another title. Your Holiness. We read that, that document here a little, little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, referring over and over to Your Holiness, Your Holiness, that, that letter from Justinian. Uh, your Holiness. That's... Uh, Mark 1.24 says this. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? For I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Who is your holiness? Christ is your holiness. For another person to take that title to themselves is it just... It's vain and it's it's proud and it's, it is it is the definition of blasphemy. You remember I, I, you remember the 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 Herod who wouldn't even refuse. Well, other people call them this. He didn't call himself that. Maybe and someone in some cases that's true. But when he didn't. Of the voice of God and not a man. And when he didn't refuse that title, he accepted that title. And that's when he died. That's why, that's why the, they run out, Paul and, and uh, Barnabas run out into that crowd when they started com- calling him God. So, stop! Stop! I don't want a repeat performance. Right? They, they knew the, the danger of taking these titles to themselves. To accept that worship is the same as asking for it or requiring it. We have more titles. This is a, this is a coin, a papal coin. It says, Pius Sextus Pontificus, uh, Pontifex Maximus. That's not so good, so I had to look that up. It means the supreme high priest. That's what that is in Latin. Wherefore, Jesus has gone as a forerunner of our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. How many high priests are there at one time? One. So if Jesus is the high priest forever, we have a little bit of a problem. Don't we? For, for someone else to put on a coin his name with the Latin phrase. Now, this is not somebody else ascribing to this. This is him doing it. 
I am the great high priest. That's bold. That's bold. Last one. You ever heard this one? Vicarious Dia. Again, I'm probably mispronouncing that really bad. I know what... I can figure out what two words here mean. The third one I had to look up. What does vicarious mean? Vicar. Okay, it looks like vicar. What does vicarious mean? Huh? Oh yeah, okay, so we've heard that. To live vicariously through somebody else. It's like, like, like when you wanted to be an athlete and, and you were horrible at it. So, so, you, so you try to get your kid to be in all the athletic stuff so you can kind of get that thrill that you could. Right? Vicariously, like he's a replacement. And that's what this means. It's a, a substitute is what the word vicarious means in Latin. Dia, what's that mean? God, all right? Like it's, a, it's the Latin form of theos. Which is Greek. It's it's God. Philae, I wasn't sure. Oh, hey, we son of God. Son, yes. So this is the, the replacement, of the, the, the representation of the son of God. Yes, this is the title, the replaced son of God. And it's interesting because there's this uh, there's this verse, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Christ said who on earth was going to be his replacement? The Holy Spirit. So, so we have titles in which the head of a religion has claimed to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is significant, to say the least. That's an understatement. You understand why when he says, you, you worship this thing, your name's not in the book of life. You, that's a direct assault on my deity. God takes that quite personal. Just a couple of more references. These aren't titles, but uh, this is Pope Leo. And Pope, hey, that's a guy I recognize. This thought has been and is a source of deep concern to us. This is in a statement. He's talking about war here in 1894. He was talking about how nations kind of were, were the, the, this document had to do with war and how bad war was. It was a good document otherwise. But this is interesting. He says, this thought has been and is a source of deep concern to us. And we'll see who the us is here in a second. It is impossible to think of such a large portion of mankind deviating, as it were, from the right path as they move away from us and not experience a sentiment of innermost grief. But since we hold on this earth the place of God Almighty, and we go on and on and on. Who is he talking about? Who's the us? It's the popes. And, and he takes it, this, I'll tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like Moses. Why do we have to bring water from this rock for you? And God says, uh-huh. <laughs> That got Moses in a heap of trouble. Pope John Paul said this, Have no fear. 
When people call me the vicar of Christ, when they say to me, Holy Father, or Your Holiness, or use titles similar to these, which even seem inimical to the gospel, they seem like they might be contradicting scriptures. Don't worry about it. So he at least recognized that there were verses that seemed to suggest that these are titles that you should not enjoy. So let's get to the second beast. Oh, we're moving right along. We're going to come back to verse um, 10, uh, 9 and 10 here at the end of it as we wrap this up. I want to be more part of the application. <coughs> It says, I saw another beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Like, uh, he exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power, to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to breathe, uh, given breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand. Oh, yes, here we go. Excitement. No one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast, the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If everyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast. It is 666. No, it's not 666. We're going to get to that too. All right. What is the relationship to the first beast? Okay, right, he's the image of the first beast, so we're talking about a similar power, right? Uh, He forces the worship of the first beast. So so, so there's this authority structure, again. Um, What is, is in his presence, that's kind of an interesting reference, So we have this a proxy, sort of, right? He's, he forces the worship. He, he, it's kind of interesting how these work. The, the first beast forced the worship of the dragon. The second beast forces the worship of the first beast. You know, and it's, not, it's kind of like this evolution. So he's uh, acting as a proxy. He's in its presence. What does that mean? Okay, full view of men. Okay, in communication with, right? So, so however it is, I think we're looking at a contemporary power, right? It's, he, he says he uh, he he uses this authority in the presence of the first beast. So, so, so they're they're connected. Whatever this second thing is, is it's a it's a it's a connection to this first one. It's not like something that's coming after. We've seen a lot of things that that come in waves, right? We've saw oh the uh, the Huns, and they're followed by the, 
you know, the hairy line. They were waves of things. This is not necessarily a wave of things. These are operating at, at, at contemporary power. They're going to overlap. But they're going to be connected. Um, so let's look at its power. As we said, it has the authority of the first. Right? Um, Did I already? We already went through this. I don't know why this. Ah, here we go. He causes to worship, and so he regulates religion, buying and selling. Now that's an economical power, now, isn't it? So the lines blur again as this thing advances. We had this political thing followed by a religious thing, and then, then we get a kind of a manifestation that kind of starts combining the two. It starts blurring the lines between secular and religious. It restricts commerce. Right? It talks about even putting men to death. So what power does he have? Capital enforcement. And that's... Is, is become a, a, another secular power and over all classes and we talked about that was kind of similar to the to the first piece it looks has the image of right this the whole world being in shock at this thing and and, and this is going to be a part of that evolution of this this totalitarian power want to look at its character it speaks like a dragon well how did the dragon speak Okay, it was Satan. We, we talked about two, two types of way that that dragon spoke. And there was a transition, if you recall. Now, he's always both, because Satan is Satan. Uh, but we, we talked about kind of a transition in, in, in the methods that he used. He was called a what at the beginning, and then he was called a what at the, the second. Okay, so, he's, so, so he, this beast is going to, to be like that. Uh, it's going to involve... Deception, and it's going to eventually involve intimidation. Um, he looks like a lamb. Who's the lamb? Christ. Okay. And additionally, the the picture of any lamb is this innocence, this this uh, noble character. It's, it's going to have a view of being something good, right? And this is uh, the deception that it's going to look like Christ. It's a religious power. It's connected to a religious power, but it is secular, and it, it deceives men. And when it can't deceive, it will intimidate. And so it is spiritual, and it is disingenuous. It is not the lamb. Uh, it's like a lamb. We're going to come to the horns a little bit later. But I want to talk about the name, because this is the, this part of the chapter. This is the most quoted thing, probably, from Revelation. So we want to talk about this. Excuse me, my glasses are fuzzy here. What is its name? We don't know that. What is, what, how is it described? Okay, it's, it's a number. Uh, that's kind of a weird thing. I guess Prince changed his name to a symbol. Uh, I guess a man can have a number. 
uh, it's a man. He's giving us clues this, this, to what it is. It's a person. You're going to find this number as a person. This is kind of a weird thing. Who names their kids, you know, a number? It's calculated. What does that mean? You can calculate it. If you are under the impression that there would be no math today, you're wrong. There's going to be math. Not a lot of it. Well, we know that this is connected to Rome, right? So let's start there. Um, so we're going to be looking for a man whose name has to do with this particular number. But we need to figure out how this means calculated. What time is it back there? Someone want to look up there at the clock and tell me what time it is. Don't look at your watch. How do I know that? Those are not numbers. We call those Roman numerals. What are those? Those are Roman letters. Their first function is as a letter. Until the Arabs gave us our method of numbering, letters are numbers. This is not the number 666. This is the number 666. A little bit different. And it's going to be calculated. So, even from the beginning, now, now this is interesting. Um, a lot of people have kind of clued in on this, and you will hear a lot of things about people's names that, as you decode, as you replace letters in names for numbers, we will calculate a man's name. So it's been said that Ronald Reagan, or Reagan, added up to it. Not true. His number is 415. Hitler's number is 605. Sorry, I've done the math. And Bill Gates, just in case you want to know, is 596. Irenaeus, we've talked about Irenaeus. He was from Smyrna. He was a convert of, uh, he grew up in the church where Polycarp had been, who was a disciple of John. He wrote commentaries, so in the, already in the 100s. He was on to this, because it was obvious. They understood it, because they lived in a time when their letters were numbers, so this wouldn't be that shocking to him. He calculated a name. This is the Greek name Latinos, the father of the Latin people. All right? The, we call what we call the Roman Empire was known then as the Latin Empire. That's what they referred to it because it was around a people and a language. Right? And he's the the founder of the people, much like the, the guy by the name of Eber is the father of the Hebrew people, right? Abraham's great grandfather or something like that. Uh, after the fall of Rome, we have a thing called the Latin church. That's what it was known as, the Latin church. Until 1962, you had to have mass in Latin, so some might remember that. 
anywhere in the world. Doesn't make a difference what language you speak. You would go to church services in Latin. Latin figures very strongly in this ideology, in this in this picture. So let's look at Latinus. Obviously, I've done the math. Just to check up on it, these are the numbers and the representations of this name. And yes, it adds up to 666. And Irenaeus, in around the year 170, post posited this theory. It's, it's the first written number that, that anyone ever theorized as a name to fulfill this number. So we have this connection. If you were looking for the connection to this thing, that he is intrinsically connected to this beast by being the father of the people and the language that it comes from. But its actions, its behaviors. Talk about lying signs and wonders. What kind of lying signs and wonders have we talked about so far? We've referenced some things that started to develop. Things that were going on in the religious world. Remember those pieces of the bone that would perform miracles and, and all these, these various things that people were claiming which were fraudulent, not true. It gets a little bit more elaborate than that. Weeping crosses and all sorts of things like that. Right? There's one specific one in here that is told. What's, what's the one specific? Okay, fire down from heaven. I could read to you from history, but I want to show you this. Right. If this video... Oh, here we, I don't know why I've got a double... Come on. Huh. My video did not work. There we go. Come on. Is there a video in there? It would have been right after that. Ah, oh, that's too bad. Maybe I'll have to make sure it gets in there next week. It's an interesting video. Uh, I'll describe it for you. That the Church of the Holy Sepulchre... Now, the, the Catholic Church does not do this anymore. They used to. Uh, it is still done by the Eastern Orthodox. So it would be the Greek Orthodox, Armenian Orthodox. Um, uh, in 1238, it was, it was uh, prohibited by, by the Catholic Church. But up until then, both did this. Um, what they would do is they seal up the tomb of the sepulchre uh, where allegedly Jesus was buried uh, three days beforehand. Then the priest or bishop or whatever would go in with, with holy candles and uh, he takes off his robe so you can see that there's no lighter. It's like a magic trick, you know, like nothing in my hat, right? And he, he does that and, uh, and then he goes in, they unseal it now there's two long holes, it's a thick wall, right? And, and they're going to hand out the, ca the candles from in there. And, uh, and so he goes in uh, with these candles, and he's in there for about ten minutes. And you, you can, the camera will show, maybe through the doors you'll see a crack, or through, the, through the, the two holes, all of a sudden the candles go, and they light. No lighters. 
no, it's been sealed. No one can get in, right? It guards in there. There's there's Israeli guards inside there, and all. And then he come. They they start. He starts lighting candles and putting them out through, and and there's this huge, massive crowd. It's a magic trick. It's a magic trick. It was done actually 400 years before Christ uh, in Persia. It's a Zoroastrian trick. And what it is, it's white phosphorus. They're candles of white phosphorus. White phosphorus, once they're once it's unwrapped, uh, it it reacts with oxygen, and it will self-ignite. Right? It just takes a little time, and so that's why he has to wait, and everyone gets amped up, and 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 I mean, it's a miracle. And and that is, I believe, specifically what he's referring to. And it was used to keep superstitious people who didn't have the Bible, as we talked about, who couldn't identify what they were doing. Who, they, the Bible was prohibited. Precisely because God points to some things that are going on that shouldn't be. I mean, if you had the Bible that said, uh, watch out for people who call down fire from heaven, and then a priest goes, hey, watch this, I'm going to call down fire from heaven, you might be alerted to the fact that that's not proper. And so this is why the scriptures, one of the reasons why the scriptures had to be uh, prohibited. Oh, I'm sorry that that didn't play. Two horns. We're almost done here. Are two seats of power. We talked about ten seats of power of Rome. The Bible says that, again, we get to chapter 17, we'll see that those were temporary. Ten. Within a, a short time, almost all of them are gone. They're they're Spain, they're Portugal, they're, the, no one talks about the Ostrogoths, right? Or the Heruli or the Suevi. No, no one knows who those are. The Lombards were still a power. They, they were the force that was now controlling Italy. Ravenna was still uh, its own entity. Uh, the Roman Senate still functioning. And the Franks, we talked about the Franks had come to power. Three things happen. Uh, Pepin the Short is the son of Charles Martel in France. And in 756, he uh, conquers Ravenna, and being extremely Catholic, he donates it. It's called the Donation of Pepin. He gives it to the Catholic Church. He says, this is now yours. Now, this was significant. This is where all of your patricians live, that second tier. Right? This was the, the, this is like their Washington, D.C. sort of, right? Not just the capital, per se, but, but where where the powers were. Charlemagne does a couple of things. Uh, that's, he's the son of Pepin the Short. In 774, he defeats Lombardy. Lombardy ceases. It joins the rest of them as, as names that we forget. He also donates this. He doesn't make it a part of France. He makes it a part of what will be called the Papal States. right? In return, he is called the Holy Roman Emperor by the Pope. I think Adrian I. His son, Louis the Pious, not so popular, um, wants to be king. He's not in line for it. Stephen IV is in line to be is a candidate for the Pope. There's an empty seat both in, the, in France and in Rome simultaneously, so they conspire. Now, Louis the Pious has claimed the throne for himself. He crowned himself. 
which was kind of odd. That never happened. He did it. Uh, it will happen again when Napoleon takes power. But uh, so he conspires with Stephen IV in what uh, what we're all talking about in the news today. Uh, Louis the Pious packs the court. He packs the Senate. The Senate voted for the Pope at the time, or had votes for the Pope along with the cardinals. So he expands the Senate and puts in people that will be favorable to Stephen IV. In exchange, Stephen IV will give him the, the credibility and will call him the Holy Roman Emperor. And so in 815, the Senate is packed uh, and it essentially becomes... It's not non-existent, but it's basically a rubber stamp for the Pope from that point forward until it ceases to exist until it's completely replaced by the College of Cardinals. And with that, we get the Holy Roman Emperor, uh, Empire. Two, two horns that will govern Europe for the next, and, and, and force and compel worship Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but Satan is nowhere to be found. Right. He's, but right. Right. Satan gets his power and authority in the first right. beast, and then the first beast, and the second beast. So they're they're connected. They're more in the confrontation. Right. The right. He always he always operates like that. He I always uses proxy. Like Satan always uses a proxy. He uses our governments, and we think, oh, the government is doing this. He uses whatever he wants to use. will act as a proxy. And so as we talked about the power of it, we're almost done here. As I say, think about some of, almost all of these have a French connect. The French connection. Knights Templar is a French creation. The Jesuits formed in Paris a force enforcer, a fierce enforcer, especially in South America. William the Conqueror, oh, King of England, yeah, but he's from Normandy, France, who doesn't allow people to have any commerce unless they are Catholic. The Inquisition, ah, the Spanish Inquisition, no, it's a French creation. It, it went over to France, uh, Spain in the 1500s, but it, it's, a, it's a 13 and 1400 thing in, in France. The Dominican monks. Men of, Dominican monks were referred to as the Lord's Hounds. That was their nickname. Where? Toulouse, France. And they persecuted to extinction numerous independent groups like the Albigenses, the Waldenses, the French Huguenots, the Cathars, various ones. Not saying those were all correctly doctrinal, but but the idea of enforcing and compelling worship to one entity. Verse nine and ten we talked about when we read how it says, you know, if if 
you put to death to the sword, he's going to be put to death by the sword. It's interesting that God uses atheists to, to punish this group, and violently. Uh, 1796, Napoleon takes Pope Pius prisoner where he dies. He kidnaps, in 1809, the next pope and raids the Vatican, empties out their, the treasury, <laughs> takes a lot of nice stuff for himself. And it's not all good news. I mean, it's good news, but it's not all good news, because in this, a lot of good people suffered and died. And we tend to think that uh, when we're doing good, God's winning, and when that's not happening, maybe God's losing, or, or the church is suffering, so, so God is maybe not under control, got it under control. That's the way we tend to interpret things. But just to leave you with this idea that God is always winning. It's not always visible and I'm not always benefiting from it. Uh, but God is always winning even when I'm losing, personally. Um, so we just have to wait it out. Downturns are only temporary. <laughs>